Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? <clears throat> I had someone tell me one time, well, why do you do that? You sing in the spirit. Well, the, if you ever read 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul said, I will sing with my spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. I'll pray with the spirit, pray with the understanding also. Well, we were singing with the spirit, amen, and singing with our understanding also. Hallelujah. Why is that important? Because Sometimes you, your, your natural voice, your natural words can't express what's really in your heart. Thank God he gave us the Holy Ghost to help us. Amen. To be able to truly express to the Lord how we really feel about him. Amen. Glory to God. Without it being cluttered up with our minds and all those thoughts that we deal with and go through in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, well, I've never seen that before. Well, now you have. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Used to see it all the time. Amen. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have today, once again, to come into your presence, look into the word, the perfect law of liberty. We thank you for the anointing. I thank you for that anointing that's upon us as a ministry gift that you've given to the body of Christ, enabling us to preach and teach your word both effectively and accurately. Father, we thank you for the anointing upon each and every one to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save, restore, and renew our souls, minds, wills, and emotions. And Father, we indeed thank you. Hallelujah. In advance for all that shall take place in every heart and every life. For the entrance of your word gives us light. It gives us understanding. It is a lamp into our feet and a light into our pathway. It provides a solid foundation for us to build our lives upon so that we're not moved by circumstances and situations. When the waves of the world and life beat against the house that we built upon the rock, Christ Jesus, Lord, it won't phase it. We'll continue to stand. And when the waves have receded and the wind ceases to blow, then Father, we'll still be here, firmly established on the rock, on the Word of God. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise for that in Jesus' wonderful, precious, and holy name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles once again to Romans, the eighth chapter. We've been talking about how to be led by the Spirit of God. It's extremely important that we do so. Hallelujah. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 8. We'll look at a couple of verses. These are our main texts for this particular series. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. I'll wait just a moment. I hear pages wrestling. Hallelujah. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Now you could say it this way without taking anything away from the scripture. They are the children of God. That's Amen. Right. So ladies, you're included in this as well. And you know, don't get upset because it talks about sons because it also talks about us being the bride one day. Amen. So we're going to be brides. So you being a son is not a bad thing. It's just saying that you're going to be a child of God. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the children of God. Verse 16, for the spirit himself beareth witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. So the Holy Ghost will bear witness with our spirit, not our minds, not our flesh, but with our spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. And then in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, let's turn over there and look at it. We didn't look at it last time, but let's look at it again. Amen. I want you to know that it's in the Bible for yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. One translation says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Another translation says the spirit of man is the light of the Lord. So the spirit of man is a light on the inside of us. That is the true source of life for every human being is their spirit. Why? Because God is a spirit, amen, and he created us in his image, therefore we are a spirit. We have a soul, we live in a body. God is a trinity or triune Godhead. God created man as a trichotomy. We're a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body, so we are a three-part being, amen? Unfortunately, most of the people, in the, in, even in the church world, focus on the outward man instead of the inward man. Amen. And the outward man is, you know, is led by its senses, by what it sees, by, by what it hears, by what it touches, you know, all those things, those physical senses. But we're supposed to be led by the inward man. Amen. Amen. Then we have our soul, which consists of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. And our soul will get us in trouble if we don't renew it with the Word of God. When a person's born again, it's really, it really when we talk about souls being saved, it's really not your soul. It's your spirit man has been recreated. Your soul has to be restored. And that's what James chapter 1 says. Amen. Receive with meekness or anger after the word, which is able to save your soul. Our word save means restore or renew. Soul means your mind, your will, and your emotions. So receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to restore and renew your mind, your will, and your emotions. That comes after you're born again. Amen. And then the Apostle Paul said to the Church of Rome in the 12th chapter, in the first verse, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, that's our outward man, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. The Amplified Bible says reasonable, reasonable, rational, intelligent service, and worship. Amen. So it's an act of worship to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That means you present this being, this outward man, you present it to God as a living sacrifice. You put it upon the altar. Amen. And you serve God with it. It's a choice that you make to do so. You all with me? Amen. You make a choice to serve God with your physical man. Hallelujah. And the way that you get that to come about is by renewing your mind, your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions with the word. It causes you to not be conformed to this world, but rather to be transformed in Romans 12 too. By the renewing of your mind. The Amplified Bible says the continued renewing. Complete renewing. With its new ideas and its new attitude. So when you renew your mind with the word of God, you develop new ideas and new attitudes. Amen. If if your attitude's not good, then you need to renew your mind. Hallelujah. The only thing that can cripple a believer is a bad attitude. Come on. And your attitude will determine your altitude or how far you go with God. Amen. It'll either raise you up or it'll pull you down. It's all based upon your attitude. Amen. So you've got to renew your mind and you'll get a new attitude. You'll start thinking the way God thinks and your attitude will be the thing to get what, what, how God would feel about it. You all with me? Hallelujah. All right. So now let's go on a little further here. Turn, if you would, back to... Uh, let's see. Let's go to John chapter 14 again. We'll just look at a couple of things and then we're going to move on. Hallelujah. 
I've had people tell me over the years, you know, God knows my heart. Anybody ever heard that? God knows my heart. Yes, he does. He knows your heart. He knows exactly what's on the inside of you. I have, I've had people tell me, well, you know, I don't have to go to church to worship. I can just worship at home. I can worship, worship anywhere I want to be because God knows my heart. And believe me, I know this. The church does not consist of a building. The church consists of us being born again. You can take a group of believers, whether it's one or many, and that will make up a church. Why? Because you are the church of the living God. Are you all with me? Because God's Spirit lives on the inside of you. That's what makes up the church. It doesn't matter if we meet in a building or if we meet in an open field. It doesn't matter. If we meet together, that means that the church is there. The Bible does say this, you know, he inhabits the presence of his praises where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst of them. Hallelujah. So I guess if you wanted to really stretch it, then, in, you know, in, then you have to have two because if any two of you shall be on, you know, He'll inhabit the presence of his praises. He'll have if he's two or three gathered together, he'll, he'll be there in the midst. But one of us is part of the church. If you're born again, you're part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. But he does also say in Hebrews chapter 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. In other words, don't stop coming together to worship. There's something about that that's extremely important. And when you come to worship, you don't come just to get, you come to give. I'm not talking about giving of your finances. That's just one aspect of you know, bringing your tithes and the store has this one part of it. But what do you come to give? You come to give that portion that you have. Every one of us has a measure of the Spirit. God's Spirit lives and abides on the inside of us individually. And we make up the body of Christ. And we know this, that Jesus, the Bible says that we have the Spirit by measure. But Jesus was given the Spirit without measure because when He was here on the earth, He was the only physical body of Christ that was here. Amen. Now He's the head, we're the body. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father where He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And so now us being the body, <clears throat> excuse me, when we come together collectively, we all bring the measure of the Spirit that we have. And when we join that together, then we have a much greater measure <clears throat> than one of us would have individually. Y'all out there? Amen. It's like if we all, you know, if, if I just brought one pitcher of water, okay, that's one pitcher. But if we all bring a pitcher, how many, we got a whole lot more water, don't we? It's all water, but we got more of it. You understand what we're saying? Well, same way when it comes to the Spirit, when we bring our measure of the Spirit and everybody else brings their measure of the Spirit, and we join them together with the right attitude, amen, to provide the right atmosphere, whereby God can move and manifest as He sees fit, then we will have what God wants us to have. We'll get accomplished what God wants us to accomplish. If our motivation is not to come and show off our new clothes, if our motivation is not to come and show off, you know, our new car, if our motivation is not to come and show off how spiritual we are, but our motivation is to come and join our hearts together to worship the living God, then we provide an atmosphere that's conducive to the manifestation of God's mighty power and glory. And understand that's extremely important because the things of the Spirit parallel the things in the natural so very closely. 
And you cannot have a storm, you cannot have rain without the right atmospheric conditions. You will not have a hurricane without the right atmospheric conditions. You will not have, you know, a tornado without the right atmospheric conditions. Matter of fact, when it's, you know, when it gets to be about July is when hurricane season starts. And it goes all the way through the rest of the year. It's called hurricane season. Well, why is it? It's because the atmospheric conditions at that time become suitable for the manifestation of a hurricane. Are you all listening? Amen. And whenever the water comes across the Atlantic, which is cooler water, and it gets into you know, the Gulf Stream, which is warmer water, and starts to come into the Gulf, where it can be extremely warm water at that time of the year, then you can cause major, major storms. Why? Because the atmospheric conditions are such that they would generate those kinds of storms. Well, it's the same way spiritually. We come together with the right attitude and with the right heart, then we provide the right spiritual atmosphere for the Spirit of God to move and manifest the way He wants to do so. And He can do it in great ways or He can do it in lesser ways. It all depends on the atmosphere. You all with me? Amen. That's why, it, you know, how, why you talk about that and talk about being led by the Spirit? Because understand, it's our spirit man that helps provide the right atmosphere. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And being led by the Spirit could be a, to help a, do a whole lot of good or a whole lot of harm not being led by the Spirit in just church services. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? Amen. If your attitude towards your brother and sister is not right, it can hinder things. If you didn't get your parking space coming into the church and you get upset about that, that's not a good thing. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? If you had a fight with your spouse on the way to church, that's not a good thing. If you had a fight with your children on the way to church, that's not a good thing. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Amen. You have to judge your heart before you walk into the house of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been, as a pastor, there's been times, you know, that we've had disagreements on the way to church, and you got to preach. Yeah. But it's happened because we're just as human as anybody else. If you try to put a preacher up on a pedestal, he won't stay there long. Amen. Why? Because he's just as human as anybody else. Glory to God. All right, so notice John chapter 14. <clears throat> and let's look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Notice that. If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, the things I'm telling you. The things you need to do. Now, how many realize that's his word? Some people say, well, that's, you know, if Jesus didn't say in the Gospels, then we really don't. Yes, you do. Because how many found out the Bible says, holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And the Apostle Paul received the gospel message and the revelation he had directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He was on the backside of the desert. For eight years, the Lord Jesus appeared to him and taught him all the gospel and the revelation that he had. And he preached that revelation. That's the very revelation that caused him to be beaten and battered and stoned and left for dead and buffeted and all those other things. It was because of the abundance of the revelations, he actually said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. I knew a man about 14 years ago. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knoweth. Caught up to heaven. And he talked about it because of the abundance of the revelations that he had. There was given to him a messenger of Satan. It was not sickness and disease. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness and disease. We'll talk about that, teach about that one day. 
because there are 184 scriptures that talk about thorn in the Bible, and none of them are used concerning sickness and disease. Every one of them have to do with an individual or entity. Actually, the very word is used for messenger is the same word used for angel. So what was given to him, the messenger of Satan was a fallen angel that would go ahead and wherever he went, and probably more than one, but would go and stir up the people against him to persecute him because their goal was to stop him from getting out that revelation. Because that revelation, it revolutionized the church. Hallelujah. Took him to a whole different level. Amen. Taught him to be the church and be, you know, how to live out of the law instead of under the law. Amen. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. All right, so watch what he says here. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Notice he'll give you another comforter. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Amen. So he's living inside of you. Amen. In the 23rd verse, and Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. So notice that. He says something different now. This time he says his words. Well, he talked about his commandments in the previous verse, but now he said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. In other words, he will do my word. Isn't that what Paul said in, in James chapter 1? Be doers of the word and not hearers only. He will keep my words. That means he'll do my word, do what the word says. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Abode is a dwelling place. That means he'll live with you. Amen. Glory to God. And how's he going to live with you? By living in you. By his spirit. Say it out loud. God lives in me by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I'll keep his words. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 real quick. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye, say that's me, that's me, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Notice he lives in you. Hallelujah. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So we are the temple of God, and His Spirit dwells or lives on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost who's living in you. See, you don't have to look to the hills from which cometh your help. You just got to look to Him that's on the inside of you. Amen. People go back to the Old Testament. The psalmist said that, look to the hills from which cometh your help. But we're living in a new covenant. We don't have to look to the hills. Amen. We don't have to wait for them to come rolling down off the mountaintop. Because he's living on the inside of us all the time. Hallelujah. So thank God the Holy Ghost is living in you. And he's living in you right now. Right here on this earth, right now. 
right now, this present time, He's living in you. If you're born again, you got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. So you don't have to look any further than right here. For all the help that you need, and everything that He shows you, reveals you, would line up with what's in this book. And that's why it's extremely important that we go with what the Bible says and know what the Bible says. Hallelujah. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 real quick. It's right here. Just, just turn over a few pages. Verse 14. Be ye not... Let me understand that means don't do this. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So notice he says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now we couldn't meddle there for a while. Amen. Because of the significance of not being yoked, that what's he talking about? Do not marry an unbeliever. Now it's a different thing if you were not serving God or didn't know God, really whenever you got married, neither one of you didn't quite understand, didn't know. That's one thing. You know, then one of you gets saved along the way. Start believing God for the other one to get saved. But when you're born again and you go into that relationship with open eyes, and you're violating the Word of God, He says right here very clearly, don't do it. Amen. Be not unequally yoked. I've watched it for years. You can tell people until you're blue in the face. Doesn't mean they're going to do the right thing. That's right. yeah. They're going to fancy whatever they want. But it's not, going to, it's not going to bode well when you do it. All right. Amen. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I mean, in other words, don't be marrying someone who's unsaved when you are saved. Right. And I could take it a couple of steps further, too. Now, don't drop your rocks. I didn't write the book. That's right. Okay. But you've got to be careful even when it comes to your particular spiritual level, where you're at and where others are at. Because... If you've been raised thinking speaking in tongues is of the devil, and the other person's been raised believing speaking in tongues is for today, yeah. mm -hmm. then you're going to have a problem. Isn't that true? Now, can things change? They can change. But that's the exception. It's not the norm. Because right. I've watched it. I've watched it for years. Not even that. I'll take it a step further. When you've been taught the message of faith, and someone else hasn't been taught the message of faith, and you yoke yourself together with them in a marriage covenant, and they don't understand faith, it can cost you your life if you're not careful. Because you have to stay, how many found out that when it comes to faith, you're not just something you just do once in a while, it's not something you did 10 years ago, you, it's something you got to feed yourself every single day. You've got to feed your faith every single day. Are you listening? Why? Because the enemy's out to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he will do whatever he has to to try to take you out. And if you lose your faith, and you can get weak in it, because Jesus talked to different. He talked about weak faith. 
Y'all out there? He talked about little faith, didn't he? He said to his disciples, oh, ye of little faith? Y'all with me? Paul talked about weak faith, but he also talked about great faith. Amen. Talked about exceeding faith. We need to be working and developing and, tra and training our spirits so that we can have great faith. Because when the test comes, you've got to be able to stand your ground. Amen. And you can't have some, if you're believing God for your life, for your very well-being, for to, to live and not die, the last thing you want is someone who don't believe that way, they can't get in agreement with you. All right, so I'll stop meddling. Drop your rocks, like I said. I didn't write the book. Amen. Because it is true. And I know, but it's, it's true. Listen, and I've watched it in my own family, so I'm not selling you anything that I haven't had to deal with. I've seen it happen. Amen. It's not worth it. Believe me. I thank God. Yeah, I, I will go a little bit further. Especially if you feel led into ministry. If you feel led into ministry, then you don't have any business being yoked with someone who doesn't feel led into ministry. If they are not going to want to serve God the way you're going to serve God, because I've seen it happen. I've seen people with calls of God in their lives, both male and female. And the person they yoked themselves with did not have that same desire or that same hunger. And it just doesn't work. Because it, when, you're, when you're called in the ministry, the battle, you got a target on your back. And the battle is going to rage against you. And you can't have someone that's going to tell you, well, I didn't want to do this anyway. It doesn't work that way. You've got to have someone that knows that they're there and that you're there because God's calls on your life, and they know that, and they're there because their call of God on their life is to help support you in the call of God that's on your life, and they're going to grab hold with you, and they're going to pray and agree with, with you, and they're not going to give up, give, give in, or quit. They're not going to badger you and tell you how wrong you were for doing this. I didn't want to do this anyway. They knew it going in. Amen? And they need to know it going in. Hallelujah. How come me to meddle like that? I don't know. The Lord said to talk about it, so we'll just do it. So it's, it's all right. It's in the Bible. We're not reading. I'm not, this is not the first book of David here. This is Paul's letter to the church of Corinth. Amen. Verse 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. All right. Now, so we're led by the primary way that God leads us is by His Spirit. The inward intuition. The inward witness. We talked about the significance of love and how love is the first thing that God uses to show us how He leads us. Walking in love. Remember Romans 13? Amen. Love works no ill to His neighbor. And so when you're walking in love, you won't do anything to hurt or harm your neighbor. You won't lie about them. You won't bear false witness against them. You won't steal from them. You surely won't kill them. You won't covet after their stuff. You won't do that. And so you know when you're in a situation and your flesh wants to rise up. Anybody ever had somebody, you know, do something to cause your flesh to rise up? Huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. 
And so your flesh wants to rise up and wants you to react and respond. But then on the inside of you, there's love just constrains you. Says, so no, don't do that. Don't act that way. That was the Spirit of God leading you. Amen. He helped you, you know, help you not have to taste what shoe leather tastes like. You didn't have to get your foot out of your mouth. Did you? No? Because you listened to the Spirit of God, you didn't have to get your foot out of your mouth because you didn't say the thing you was going to say because He arrested your attention. And it was not through a voice that you heard. It's just something on the inside of you. Don't do that. You just sensed it. Just like a scratching on the inside. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't act that way. Don't respond that way. Now I understand you're human just like I am and sometimes your flesh may get to acting too quick. And you may have responded before you, and before you had the Holy Ghost had a chance to arrest your attention. Yeah. You all listen to what I'm saying? Yes. I'm not like saying he wasn't trying, but you wasn't yielding at the time. Yeah. And you might as well just be as honest as I am. I mean, there's times I just told Lord, Lord, I just want to be mad right now. But you know, he's never let me just get by with it. He's told me, he said, yeah, you go ahead. Not head. You go ahead. Be mad if you want to. But it's not going to help your situation at all. Y'all out there? Amen. No, it's not worth it. It's much better to yield to love. Hallelujah. You learn to walk in love, you'll be in learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. See, the difference is people are led by the feelings. But feelings is the voice of the body. Or they try to reason. That's why they amplify by like what it says. We're talking about being doers of the word and not hearers only betraying yourself into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. There's a lot of people try to reason out why they can justify the things that they do. You can't justify your flesh. You can't justify doing wrong. Wrong's wrong any way you look at it. And that's what we have, that's what's wrong with, wrong with society today. They, they want to justify why they did what they did. Well, this happened, but it wasn't you that they did it to. Are you listening to what I'm saying? No, wrong is wrong any way you look at it. And if somebody done something wrong, that's wrong. But you going out and tearing somebody else's stuff up because of what somebody did to somebody across the country, that's not right either. That's wrong. You, you can let your voice be heard without having to go tear up somebody in some innocent person's stuff. And I don't care who it is or what the situation is, it doesn't warrant you attacking somebody else for what somebody else did to someone else. Are y'all listening? It's not right. We don't fix things that way. We fix things by showing people the right way to do things, but not, not by doing it the wrong way. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I mean, people attack Christians all the time. But we don't go on a rampage and go burn everything down because they attacked us. They've gone as far as burning churches. If we go out and burn down their buildings because somebody else in another part of the country burnt down a church, no, we don't do that. What do we do? We do one thing is we try to educate people and not be stupid. And we endeavor to overcome. And we endeavor to do it God's way. You can make your voice be heard without having to attack someone's stuff that's not even remotely involved. Now don't get mad at me because I'm telling you the truth. It's the truth. That's not the way we do things. We don't, we, we don't do things certain ways 
We do in the way if we're Christians, we do it this way. We do it based upon what the Bible says. All right, I'll stop meddling so you can drop your rocks. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we're led by the Spirit. The primary way God leads us by the Spirit. Now, the secondary way that God leads us by the Spirit is by the inward voice. Now, remember this. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And so your conscience is the voice that will speak to your mind. God's not speaking to your mind. God's speaking to your spirit, but your conscience is on the inside of you. It's the voice of your spirit, and it's what speaks to your mind. That's why if we're going to talk about it being a voice, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the voice of your spirit, the inner man that is speaking. God has spoken to your spirit, and then your spirit speaks to your mind, your mind, your emotions, which needs to be renewed with the word of God so that you don't try to filter it out through the eyes of some strange thinking, but you judge everything based upon what the Bible says. So the word of God, let's let's say it this way, the word of God is what filters out the thoughts that come to your mind to let you know if it's God talking to you or if it's just you thinking something. Let me say that again. You need to get this. The word of God is the filter that filters out the things that are spoken to your, your mind from your spirit to let you know whether it's God that spoke to my spirit or was it just me thinking something. Yeah. Because you could just think all kinds of strange things. But if it's God, what he will speak to your spirit will always line up with this book. That's right. It will always line up with the word of God. That's why the word of God is so important to us. We have to know what the Bible says. Not just because we hear something. And I don't care if you've been fasting and praying for 30 days. Y'all listening? And you come up with some revelation. If it doesn't line up with what this book says, it's not God. Y'all out there? I've run across people so many times. Come up with, the Lord said this to me. And then they start telling me everything the Lord said. And then I'm, while I'm sitting there listening to them, I'm thinking about what does the Bible say? And everything they just told me did not line up with the Bible at all. In any way, shape, or form. And then you try gently. You try to say, listen, you know, God always leads us in line with the Word of God. And anything God tells us will line up with the Bible. And so what you're telling to me, does you, do you have scriptures to back up what you're saying? Well, no, not really. Well, then how can you tell me and convince me that it was God that said it to you? Amen. You understand? Revelation that God gives you will always line up with this revelation. Right. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians? He said, I want, and back after 14 years of preaching, the gospel he got, the revelation he got from Jesus Christ himself, he preached that for 14 years. But after 14 years, the Spirit of God led him to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to the rest of the disciples, the apostles, and to check up with what he was preaching with how what they saw. Because he was not there during the present, the, the, the present day ministry of Jesus at that time. He never had any encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ personally when Jesus was on this earth in his physical body. He had no interaction with Jesus at all. Yet Jesus appeared to him after Jesus died and rose again. Then Jesus appeared to him first off on the road to Damascus and then afterwards he appeared to him over a period of eight years. He appeared to him multiple times and taught him the revelation that Paul was preaching. But Paul never had a direct encounter with him on this earth 
when he was alive. You understand what I'm saying? So the Lord led him to go back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles and to make sure that what he was preaching was what, what was in, it worked in long, walked in line with what they had saw, seen, and experienced themselves and the things they heard Jesus say. And he said for this, he said, so that I had not preached or run in vain. He wanted to make sure that what he preached lined up with what they said. And any time the Lord has ever given me revelation, I always take revelation that I feel the Lord's led me to or gave, shown me in the Spirit. First of all, look at what it says in the Word, and then I get a hold of people I have great confidence in that's been in the ministry longer than I have. And I ask them, how, did this, how does this line up with the Word? Does this sound right to you? Because I'm not afraid to take something the Lord said to me and share it with someone who's been around a while who can help me to understand, is this right or not? Because if it's not right, then I don't want to preach it. But if it is right, then I will. You listen to what I'm saying? So if you're afraid to take your revelation to the Word, if you're afraid to take it to someone who knows the Word and ask them if it lines up with the Word, if you're afraid to do that, then I have to question your revelation. Because if you're afraid to get, get it to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Authenticated with the Word of God, that it's truly God that says it. If you're afraid to do that, then that means you don't know for sure if it's really God or not. Amen? And if you can't be sure that it's God that spoke to you, then you need to let it go. Amen? Because I've had those times when the Spirit of God spoke things to me. I remember when he dealt me specifically about the whole thing with you know, John chapter 3. Being born of the flesh and born of the water. I had a situation with a dear lady. Her, you know, she was attending an apostolic holiness church and not putting people down, but their belief is that you have to be speaking tongues in order to get to heaven. Doesn't, mean that you, doesn't matter that you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, been born again. They say if you don't speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven. That's not true. But they'll take this scripture, and this, this lady's sister was an assembly God lady who loved God, was born again. I know she was born again because I led her in a salvation prayer. And then she passed away. But she never get filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. I laid hands on her a couple of different times. But I could not get her past her mind. She couldn't, she just thought, and some of that had to do with some old line Pentecostal teaching, that the Holy Ghost would take you over and make you speak in tongues and you had nothing to do with it. And so because of that, I just could not get her to throw caution to the wind, yield to the Spirit of God, and by faith start speaking in tongues. I just couldn't get her to that point. I tried and tried. Over the course of several years, I tried. I just couldn't get her to that place. But it didn't matter. She was still born again. She loved God. But then she went home to be with the Lord. But they, her sister was told by their church that she went to hell because she wasn't talking in tongues. And I knew better. And I, and I talked to her, the sister, time after time after time. I said, listen, I'm telling you, she's in heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but my pastor, I said, I don't care what your pastor says. Because what he's saying does not line up with the word of God. And so I got to talking to the Lord about it. And the Lord showed me revelation along that line. And when it's talking about, when Paul told Nicodemus, You've got to be born of the Spirit and you've got to be born of the water. See, they thought that the being born of the water 
was being baptized in water and being born of the Spirit was being filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. That's not what it means. What the Apostle Paul was telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, he told him, he said, you must be born again. And what did Nicodemus say? He said, can a man, old man, go back and be reborn? You can't go back into the mother's womb. But Jesus said, you know, talked about being born of the water and being born of the Spirit. And what Jesus was talking about being born of the water is that's your natural human birth because you are born in water. While you're in your mother's womb, you're in water. And whenever you're born into this earth, that water breaks. That's how we know that you're, you're definitely in labor. Y'all listening? Because that's, that's what I'm talking about, being born in the water. That's the natural human birth. But then you have to be born again to get to heaven. And that's by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's being born in the Spirit. And so I knew that. And the Lord revealed it to me. But I didn't go start teaching it until I called up some individuals I had great confidence in. One was Tony Cook. I asked him about it. One was Doc Horton. Been in the ministry at that time for 50 years. I asked him about it. I wanted to make sure, man, the Bible says out of the mouth two or three witnesses shall everywhere be established. I wanted to make sure that was right. And I asked both of them about it. So that's exactly what the Bible says. So that's exactly what I thought it said. Are you all listening? Because, but I wanted to make sure what I was telling people was sound doctrine. Not just something that was off the wall. Because what they were telling their people was not right. It was not right. It was wrong. It was wrong doctrine. They had all these people convinced. They had this sister convinced that her sister went to hell. How horrible would that be? Y'all listening? Amen. You got to be able to, what God tells you, what God leads you to do will always line up with the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So he leads us secondly by the inward voice or the voice of our spirit. Did we go to first Kings last time? Look at this. All right, turn to first Kings chapter 19. Are you getting anything out of this? So we have the primary way God leads us by the inward intuition. Secondly, it's by the inward voice. And the voice of our spirit is our conscience. And when you're born again, walking in fellowship with God, your conscience is a safe guide. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, you can be born again and not walking in fellowship with God, and your mind is not, you know, being renewed right, things like that, and the, your, your conscience, the voice of your spirit can, can be off. Yeah. That's why you have to walk in fellowship with God. Yes. You don't just get saved and then that's it. So many people, that's what they do. They'll pray a well, quote-unquote sinner's prayer to save their conscience and say, well, see, that's what Paul said, so now I'm born again, I'm going to heaven, and never do anything to walk in fellowship with God. You've got to walk in fellowship with God. Why? Because you can't even resist the devil without walking in fellowship with God. Well, yeah, but I'm using the word just like you said, I know. But the Bible says there in James chapter 4, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. Submit means to submit to his word. Yes. It doesn't mean that you just pray and accept Jesus or pray the sinner's prayer one time and that's it. From the time that I prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior was born again, 
my life has never been the same, and I never went back to the old way of life. I've continued to follow after God ever since then. And so I continued to do that. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? I continue to feed upon the Word. I continue to listen to teachers teach the Word of God that have great confidence in. I continue to do that. All these years later, I still continue to do so. I continue to pray, to talk to God, to fellowship with God. You all with me? Hallelujah. You have to do that. All right, 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's watch what it says here. And it's talking about Elijah. Verse 9, remember Elijah's a prophet. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So this is what he's telling God. I'm the only one left. They've killed off the prophets. They've broken down thine altars. And I'm the only one left. Verse 11. And this is God's talk to him. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. Now watch this. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? So what happened? God began to talk to him and ask what he's doing. He starts complaining to God, saying he's the only one. And God says, all right, go stand in the, out there in the mouth of the cave. And he went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. And what happened? All of a sudden, here comes the wind. There's a fire. There's an earthquake. In other words, these big physical manifestations. But God wasn't in any of them. See, everybody's looking for some kind of a big manifestation. They want this to happen or that to happen. They want a sign. Show me a sign, God. Show me a sign. Yeah. Y'all listening? Yes, yes. But God wasn't in those things. No. And God's not always in the signs either, folks. Yeah. Y'all with me? Yeah, yeah. He's not always in the signs. He's in that still small voice, which lines up with his word. Yeah. 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 When he heard the still small voice, he knew then it was God. And then when God spoke to him, said, now why are you here? Yeah. And then God went on and spoke to him and said, I've got 7,000 more that hasn't bowed their knee to the image of Baal. So now I want you to go anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead. And Jehu to be king. And whoever this one doesn't kill, this one will kill. They're going to wipe out the enemy. Are you all listening? Yeah. It was that still small voice that's important to us. When God speaks to us through, with, with that still small voice, he does it through our spirit man. Then the voice of our spirit, which is our conscience, will relate that to our mind. Are you all listening to what I'm saying? 
See, many times we as preachers, we'll say the Lord said something, but it was not even in that still small voice. It was just that inward intuition. And we've done damage, I think, to the body of Christ by talking about what the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. It wasn't that the Lord didn't say. It's that we understand being led by the Spirit starts out with that inward intuition. And it was the Lord that was telling us that. He was him that was revealing it to us. But it was just through inward intuition. And when we say the Lord spoke to us, or we say the Lord said something to us, we need to clarify it was not a voice that we heard. It was just that knowing on the inside of us. And because we've been doing it for some time, we're sensitive that we understand that knowing on the inside of us. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? So we need to clarify that more better than we did, better job than what we've done in the past and let people know that it was not a voice that we heard. It was just that knowing on the inside of us. It's just like all of a sudden you just know. You understand what I'm saying? You just know. But whenever he does speak to us through that still small voice, he speaks to our spirit, and then our spirit speaks to our mind. It's called your conscience, the voice of your spirit. Am I making sense to you? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And to look at Acts chapter 13 real quick. Does God speak to us? Yes, he does. In that still small voice. Yes, he does. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Does God speak to us? Yes. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Verse 2, now watch this. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So notice the Holy Ghost said. He spoke to them. You all out there? Amen. The Holy Ghost spoke to him, said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I've called them. So apparently God, through that still small voice, spoke to one of those prophets and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Now, I don't believe it was, he, I don't think he spoke it to Saul. I believe he spoke it to one of the other prophets because he said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. I don't think he would have said, he, he would otherwise, if he had spoken to to Saul, who later became Paul, he would have said, separate yourselves. But he didn't. He said, separate unto me. And so I'm convinced he spoke to one of the prophets through that still small voice. Are you all with me? He spoke to him. So does God speak to us? Absolutely, he does, through that still small voice. Talking about being led by the Spirit. Don't have to be led by signs. We just saw what happened with Elijah. He saw the earthquake. He saw the wind. He saw the fire. But God was not in those things. God's not always into some of the signs people are asking for. Now, you heard me talk about when, whenever Jen and I got saved, we were just baby Christians. We didn't know much. And I'd been reading through the Old Testament, reading about Gideon, and I saw Gideon put out a fleece. And so when it came to a job situation, because I got one out of the will of God by being pressured by other people, that I knew that I was not going to do that again. And so in my desire to make sure I was, God was telling me what to do, I put out a fleece, and God honored it because of my ignorance. Yeah. 
But I've never put out a fleece since then. Are y'all listening? I've never put out a fleece since then. And when was that? That was all the way back in 1983. So I haven't used a fleece since 1983. What's that tell you? That tells me I learned some things. I grew and matured because the next time that God led me to let me know that it was him specifically wanted me to have that job, it came through the inward intuition. You heard me tell the story. We was getting ready for Bible study. We was over in St. Louis, going to go to Bible study, went by the store, and then all of a sudden I just felt in my spirit we needed to be at the pastor, assistant pastor's house. I told Janice, I said, we need to be there. I don't know why, I just know we need to be there. And God supernaturally led us to be at the right place at the right time when the phone call came for me to get that job. He led me by his spirit. That whole thing with the fleece was when I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. I was just a baby Christian. I grew out of that. God, he put up with some doubt and unbelief when you're a baby, you don't know any better. But when you start growing, he expects you to go by what you know in line with the word. Y'all with me? Don't be like the guy that wanted to marry Mary. Okay. God said to the Lord, he said, Lord, he said, I want to marry Mary. He said, if it's your will for me to marry Mary, then have her say yes. And so he asked her and she said, yes. Well, when come time they're supposed to get married, then she, you know, went nuts and married another guy. So one minister was at a, a, a saint asylum and he's walking down through the asylum and he hears this person in the asylum said, Mary, Mary. And he's butting his head against the wall. Saying, Mary, Mary. And so the preacher asked the guy that worked at the asylum, said, what's wrong with that guy? He said, well, he was going to marry this gal named Mary. And he said, she said yes. But then right before they were supposed to get married, she took off and married another guy. So he ended up in the asylum. He said he was walking down, you know, through the corridor, and all of a sudden they got down, there's another room, and he heard somebody in there saying, Mary, Mary, and butting her head against the wall. He said, that's not the same guy. He said, no, no. He said, that's the guy that married Mary. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. See, some of those signs that you want are not God. Do you ever realize when you start speaking those things out about signs that the devil works out here in this natural realm? And he can give you a sign that's not the right sign? I try to talk to people. I, there's an individual I know of right now, and, and, and uh, you know, they want us to pray and believe God with them in certain areas. They'd be led by the Spirit and stuff. But sometimes, you know, they'll revert back. And it's, I know it's just old line teaching. They'll revert back to these, well, if the Lord wants me to do this, this no, 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 no. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. Y'all out there? You can't do it that way. You got to do it God's way. Amen? Hallelujah. If we do it God's way, then we'll be blessed. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Amen. So, let me just give you a few illustrations of how the Lord has led us over the years. It'll help you being practical. Are ways I've seen that God did not lead other people. We had a situation where the pastor came to me one time, actually called me on the phone. He said, Brother Dave, he said, will you go with me to pray 
some ladies started having a Bible study, and uh, one of them's over there on the floor slithering around like a snake and barking like a dog. And they're all scared, and they called, and he said, well, you go with me, go over there to pray. I said, yes, I'll go with you. And so we took off, went over there. Now, prior to this, and the way that this all came about, was this lady just showed up out of the blue on Wednesday night Bible study meetings. And every time she would show up, unfortunately, the leadership of the church would give her a voice. In other words, they'd let her just spew all this stuff that she was, the Lord was telling her. And so every Wednesday night, she would come to, to the Wednesday night Bible study, and she would have a, a notebook, a spiral notebook. You know what I'm talking about with the little wire ring in it, you know? And she'd have pages of all the things the Lord spoke to her. And, she would, and they would let her read all this stuff that the Lord had said to her. And, uh, and I'd, I was sitting there sometimes just shaking my head thinking, are you seriously going to let her continue to spew all this stuff? Because it was totally unscriptural. And it wasn't just her. They did other people do the same stuff. People just come in, they'd say things and, you know, and what they would do, first of all, is they'd go to the leadership and they'd have a word for the leadership. And so that just let them open the door because they made the leadership, you know, they said something the Lord said, some spectacular thing was going to happen through them or to them or whatever. And so that just opened the door for them to just let anything go on that could go on. <clears throat> but she was coming to spew all this stuff. And I remember Jan and I was talking about it. She said, Jan said, well, I just must not hear from God. Because he don't tell me all that kind of stuff. I don't hear pages and pages of stuff. The Lord said, well, I don't either. I said, I, I just I don't hear. I, I don't hear it either. And something you need to understand, when you hear people talk about you know, these spectacular things, I'm not saying they don't happen because I've had them happen. I've had angels appear to me. Amen. I've had the Lord Jesus speak things specifically to me. I've had visions. But you know, those things, are just, we're talking about just a few times. In almost 40 years, just a few times. That's right. That's right. People have a tendency to think that that stuff happens all the time. And when it's quote unquote happening all the time, I don't see it even happening to the Apostle Paul all the time. All right. That's true. All right. Come on, Jeff. Are you all listening? Yes. Yes, we read about it, but you know, in part of what took place in the book of Acts, it was over a 20-year period that those things happened against, amongst multiple people. It was over a 20-year period. That's right. And for many people, it may happen once or twice in a lifetime. That's right. So that spectacular stuff doesn't just happen all the time. Now, is God leading us by the Spirit all the time? Yes, Amen. by that inward intuition. Maybe that's still small voice. And so this gal would come in all the time, and she had all these words. She got herself a following. And so she's over here, they're doing the Bible study, Sister Evelyn's house. Who you thought had more sense than that? She's a school teacher. You thought she'd have more sense than that. And boy, here it got wild, and she's slithering around like a snake and barking like a dog. I mean, she had them bathing in blue water and staring at candles. And you can't show me, I've not seen one scripture in the Bible that says we're supposed to bathe in blue water or sit and stare at candles. 
Y'all out there? That doesn't line up with the scripture in the least bit. So she's slithering around like a snake, barking like a dog. So we walk in there and uh, walked up, you know, to her and went to pray for her. And Brother Ray said, Brother Dave, you want to lay hands on her? You know, because God used me to cast devils out of people many times at that time. The Brother Dave lay hands on her. And I went to lay my hands on her and God said, take your hands off of her. I said, okay. I just pulled my hand right off of her. He said, she wants this. She opened the door to this when she was in college. She started playing with a Ouija board as a born-again, spirit-filled believer. Y'all know what a Ouija board is, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And what happened, the devil got a hold of her, and now she's been listening to these voices. Now she likes hearing them. And he said, there's nothing you can do for her because she likes hearing them. And so I just said what the Lord said. See, he, he spoke that to me through a still, small voice. And I said, I said, I told her exactly what the Lord said. She said, well, she said, when that thing got a hold of me and shook me real bad, she said, then I quit playing it. I said, it was too late then. I said, why did you do it anyway? You were born again, spirit-filled believer. Well, everybody else was doing it. I could care less what everybody else is doing. That's right. Hello? We got to go with what the word says. That's it. You listen to what I'm saying? So we had to leave there that night with her still full of the devil. Couldn't do a thing for her. Y'all listening? It's not worth it. You can't. Li- she knew because God spoke to me. He said, I told her not to mess with that thing. But she didn't listen to the Spirit of God. We've got to listen to the Spirit of God. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, there could be a lot of good things look like they're going to happen. doesn't mean it's God. Jan and I, when we started, after we graduated school, started traveling, we had a group, uh, Christian Fellowship Ministries. They had asked us to come preach for them. And so we preached in many of the churches all over the country. I mean, Michigan and well, Illinois and Texas and Arizona, all over the country we preached for them. And... Uh, they offered me a position. They wanted to hire us, put us on staff as their staff evangelists, and said, if you'll do this, we'll buy you or build you. We'll buy your house, whatever you want, or we'll build you a brand new one if you want one, if you can't find one. And we'll book all your meetings. We want you to preach three weeks out of every month. And we'll pay you $500 a week salary. Plus, you keep all the offerings from all the meetings that you do. That's a pretty good gig, isn't it? Especially when your first year's income is $1,428. That's a pretty, pretty good gig. And so, you know, I mean, you, sure you consider things. I mean, you'd be a fool not to. You want to talk to God about it. And so <clears throat> I asked the Lord about it. Actually, we was at camp meeting. And I was sitting there at camp meeting. I said, Lord, I said, what do you want me to do about that? I said, it sure sounds good. I said, boy, it's been the, the first year was tough. And I said, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have a brand new home. It'd be nice to have a guaranteed $500 a week salary. Yeah. And then that all the other would be a bonus. And I don't have to book the meetings. Because I called, I called several pastors one time and had every one of them lie to me. 
I had one that disappeared off the face of the earth. He's, just, he's just gone. He got eight begators or something, I don't know, down in Louisiana. I called him to try to book a meeting. He said, well, I'm at home. He said, my, my calendar's at the office. He said, I'll call you back. I've had about 30 minutes, I'll call you back. He never did call me back. I, gators had to get him. Something happened along the way. He never made it because he never called me back. You deal with that. Or you call people up and they tell you, I don't know you and I don't want you coming near me. I mean, just say some awful things to you. So when you got somebody saying, hey, we'll book your meetings, we'll do this, we'll guarantee you three meetings a, a month for a week at a time, I mean, that's a pretty good gig. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in camp and he said, Lord, what do I do? The Lord said, I didn't tell you to get in that stream. He said, I told you to be in this stream. This is where I told you to go. I didn't tell you to go there. Now, I allowed you to go out there and preach for them. Try to teach them and help them best you can. But you can't do that. Yeah. That's not my will for you. I had to listen to that still small voice. Yeah. Are you all out there? And then sure enough, over the course of a couple of years, we was attending one of their conferences out in Arizona. And a gentleman got up and started telling lies right from the pulpit. He started telling lies about Brother Hagen, Oral Roberts, People that I knew personally did not say some of the things they said accused them of saying. And I know I shouldn't have done it, but I had a Popeye moment because they just kept going on and on and on. And the guy was arrogant and smug. And I just jumped right up in the middle of the whole thing, told Janet, I said, get up. I said, we're leaving. I said, he's a liar. I said, he don't know what he's talking about. I said, this is trash, and no, we're not listening to trash. All right. And I mean, everybody's eyes in the place was looking on us. <laughs> and we turned around and walked out. So I met with the Midwest overseer the next day for breakfast, because we were supposed to go out to dinner that night. We didn't get a call for dinner. But I met with him personally for breakfast, and I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Because he, he saw it. He heard it. He was sitting right there. And I said, I'm going to tell you something what I was taught. People that act like that are either ignorant or dishonest or both. I said, there's something wrong with that guy. You mark my words. And he said, that was the last time we preached for him. Six months later, the, that, that Midwest overseer called me on the phone. He said, you remember that guy? I said, oh, I remember him. He said, you know what he did? He lied to us. He took the ministry for $50,000 and ran off. I said, do you remember what I said to you? He said, yeah. I said, I told you. Either he's ignorant, dishonest, or both. And I said, he's both. Because I, I told him, I said, I'll guarantee you this. You'd never hear Kenneth Hagin. Or never hear Oral Roberts no. get up and attack no. the leader of your organization from the pulpit. Or let anybody on this platform that would do so. That's right. They would never do that. No. And I said, that's why I can't, I can't sit there and listen to that stuff. Because you're attacking my spiritual father. And people that I know 
And I've been in those services. And I know what they said because I was sitting there. And what he's saying is not true. It's a lie. Are y'all listening to me? Amen. Hallelujah. I had another instance. I had a gentleman come to me. said, the Lord told me to do this. So I'm sitting in my office. And I said, really? I said, how does that line up with the Bible? Because what they said did not line up scripturally. And so they came back to talk to me all several months later and came and sat down in my office and said, the Lord said, well, first of all, I said, the Lord said, I'm supposed to start a radio station in Africa and supposed to do this and this and this. And I said, well, I said, listen to this and this and this. I said, how does that line up with the word? And it didn't. But then some months later, he comes back and said, well, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm supposed to go here and do this. And I said, hmm. And he said some other things. And I said, well, how does that line up with Scripture? It didn't line up with Scripture either. And so then he came back a few months later and said, the Lord said, I'm supposed to go to Dallas and do this. And I said, and he said some other things. And I said, hmm. I said, how does that line up with Scripture? And I'm sitting there, minding my own business, and he's going on. Well, this, 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 he's trying to justify. Remember, I said, you can't reason to justify against the Scripture. It doesn't work. We line up with the scripture. We don't make the scripture line up with us. Yeah, right. And so the Lord, he, and he kept going on. And so the Lord said to me, he said, ask him this question. He said, ask him, why is God so confused? <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, well, several months ago, you came and told me the Lord told you're supposed to go to Africa and start a radio station. I said, then came, you came and told me, God said, God spoke to you, you're supposed to go here and do this. And I said, now you're coming to me telling me God spoke to you, said you're supposed to go do this. I said, he can't make up his mind for anything. I said, he's got to be totally confused. You all out there? You ever run across those folks? Oh, yes. <laughs> I preached a sermon many years ago that there's no plan B with God. Amen. There is no plan B. God's got one plan, and he sticks with it. Amen? Hallelujah. So we want to be led by the Spirit. First of all, that inward intuition. Secondly, through that still small voice. And tonight we'll talk about the authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. That's the third way God leads us, by his Spirit. Did you get anything out of this at all? Amen? Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Say it out. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. God leads me by his spirit, by the inward intuition, and by the still small voice. Everything God tells me lines up with his word. What does the Bible say? That's what God says. He tells me what his word says. That's why I meditate on the word. I read the word. I listen to the word. I act upon the word. I put it to practice in my life because God always leads me in line with his word. I am led by the spirit of God in Jesus name. 
in all that I say and all that I do. And by being led, I'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It'll work for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And listen, just because God leads you into places that are not always easy, doesn't mean God didn't lead you. Amen. It's not always flowery beds of ease. But it's his will. When Jesus went into the wilderness, there was not a good time. But you know what? He came out victorious, didn't he? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord God, for your holy written word. We thank you for the Holy Ghost who lives great big inside of us. We thank you for leading us and guiding us by your spirit. We thank you that we are the blessed of the Lord. We say so. We thank you that we're the healed of the Lord. We say so as well. And Father, we thank you that you lead us, Lord, in the paths of righteousness. You lead us into victory and triumph. But Lord, we know sometimes when you lead us, doesn't mean the enemy won't come against us because he wants to stop us from fulfilling your plan, purpose, and will for our lives. But Lord, we won't stop. We won't give up. We won't give in. We won't quit. We will continue to stand. Heaven and all that the crisis demands the same, we'll keep on standing. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, we'll be victorious in all areas and aspects of our life in every circumstance, in every situation. In Jesus' precious, wonderful, and holy name, amen. Hallelujah. You need prayer today, you want us to pray for you, lay hands on you, get up out of your seat and come down here, let us pray for you, let God touch your physical body, anybody? Amen. Okay, all right, and that's your grandma, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, she stands in for her grandmother. Lord, first of all, she needs to know you. So, Lord, we command the blinders to come off of her and her grandfather's eyes so that the light of the gospel will shine forth in them brighter than the noonday sun. Lord, we ask you to send laborers down their path to compel them to know Jesus. The Lord, they'll be born again. And, Father, we take authority over this condition in her body. Lord, that numbness and tingling in her legs her inability to walk and stand. Lord, we command that to cease and desist. We command it to stop its operations and its actions. And Father, we release your healing power to flow into her body and affect the healing and the cure from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. And Father, we thank you. You'll use that healing, Lord, as a dinner bell to draw her, her husband, other family members to God. And Father, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' precious and wonderful, oh, there it is right there. Thank you for that anointing that's flowing right into her body, right where she's at right now. In Jesus' holy name, amen. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hello there. All right, Jan, put your hand right there. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we command this congestion to dissipate, to disappear. We command these lungs to be clean and clear. Lord, any coughing or anything like that, we command it to cease and to desist. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your, oh yeah, we thank you for your healing power. Lord, there it goes, it's flowing into her body right now. That's affecting a healing and a cure, causing every symptom to cease, desist, stop in its operations and its actions. And Lord, leave this body. And Father, we thank you for healing power. Lord, yes. In Jesus' holy name, 
Amen. Praise Amen. God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I felt that. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? All right. Well, what do we have for announcements? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, let's, everybody, let's bow our heads. Close your eyes. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're here today or if you're watching us today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to. You need to know Jesus. You need to be born again. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. But the only way you can gain heaven and shun hell is by accept, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You must be born again. If you say, I've known Jesus, but I've turned and walked away from him. I'm backslid. I want to come back to God. Then you, this is your time to rededicate your life to God. Or if you're a church member, grew up going to church, maybe your name's on a church roll, but you don't know that you know that you know emphatically that you're on your way to heaven, you don't know for sure that you're born again, you need to know. He wrote in us that we may know that we have eternal life. So if you're here, or if you're watching us right now, if you can hear my voice, and if you'd say, I want to come to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. I just want to make sure I'm right with God. You fall in any one of those three areas. Say, I want you to pray for me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians are praying. If you're sitting here, if you're watching us, wherever you're at, I want you to slip your hand up right now and let God know you mean business. If that's you, you want to come to God, come back to God, or just make sure you're right with God. Slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Amen. You're out there watching, or if you're listening, you hear my voice, say, well, you can't see my hand. I don't have to. God sees it. You're letting him know, and that's what matters. Just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. All right. Now, if you raised your hand on any one of those invitations, or if you should have raised your hand but didn't, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. You pray this prayer with us. We're all going to pray it here together. You pray it with us. Mean it with all your heart. And when we get done, you can know emphatically that you're born again on your way to heaven. <clears throat> pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I come to you. And I ask you <clears throat> to forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and rose again to set me free. Lord Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, be my Lord and be my Savior. And I thank you. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart, you raised him from the dead, I'd be saved. I confess it, I believe it, I receive it, therefore I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with us, you're on your way to heaven. Praise God. Amen. Now, if you're watching, do what you see on the bottom of your screen. If you're listening, call us at 618-235-6373. That's 618-235-6373. 
Let us know you prayed that prayer. We've got some literature we want to send to you, give you free post and pay. It'll be, it'll be a blessing to you. If you're here and you prayed that prayer with us, see us after the service. we got the literature we want to give to you. It'll be a blessing to you. Let's give everybody a hand to pray this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.